So God bless you and God bless this church. If you would turn with me, um, this is going to sound quite familiar to you, but perhaps it'll be brought to you in a different way. But recognizing Jesus is what I want to speak to you about. But there are different ways to recognize Jesus. And it's really easy to not recognize Jesus. And in our world, in our life today, it is very, very easy to not recognize when Jesus is around. But if you turn with me to Revelation 5, I'm going to read to you a few verses here. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to even look at it, to even look thereon. And I wept much. Now, I want you to look at this for a second and realize that John's the only one that's weeping here. He said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to everyone else that is there. And you can be seated. God bless you. To everyone else that is there, this is, uh, this is not a question they expected to answer. Uh, there's anticipation here. There is a great deal of excitement here. It's like, it's about time. It's, it's time, yeah, and we're pretty excited about it. But John is there, and he's not yet got his new body. He's not translated there as like he's going to be when he is there. You know, he's still going to be asking a lot of questions, a lot of things he don't know, but people that are just like him that are there do know. But he does not know. So he wept, he weeps much because no man was found worthy to open the book and to loose seals. That's the whole point. I mean, these, this gathering right now that you're beholding is all about this. I'm getting ready to do something that hasn't been done before, and there's only one that can open this book. And John isn't thinking that way right now. He's just looking around and is weeping because there was nobody good enough to do it. But to everybody else around, it's like, hey, whoa. Turn off the tear ducts here. There is somebody here that's worthy. You don't have to worry about this. This is all handled. We got this totally. He said, that you, you need to look and see. He said, I wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book, to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the angels saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed have prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. There was preparation going into this. They were absolutely on cue, and they were ready. All of heaven is in anticipation. Angels and redeemed, they're all ready. They're all looking to see what, what is going to happen next. They, they know this isn't something that they're not aware of. They are aware of what's going on. They are prepared for this time. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain 
and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. And behold, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. In case you're wondering, that's hundreds of millions and more. And just saying, it's thousands of thousands and millions. There's just... More than I can tell you about. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, amen. And the four out, four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. He is the mighty God. This is the anticipated time. You know, he had died at Calvary. He came and took our place. But this is the time when he stands up and takes his glory. He's getting ready to be the king of kings and lord of lords and a prince of the kings of the earth. They were all looking in before us. If this was my kingdom, if this was my time, now then would my servants fight. But this isn't the time, and this isn't the kingdom I'm talking about. But now's the time when it's the kingdom, and it's the power, and it's the revelation of God, and his majesty, and his glory. It's now time to see him as king of kings and lord of lords. He sees him as a lamb, but there is a recognition that goes out, and he recognizes this is Jesus. This is the lamb that was slain. This is the mighty God. He began to recognize something different. He looks like a lamb, but he's a king. He looks like he's a lamb slain, but he's resurrected and he's going to live forevermore. He looks like he may have lost at some time, but I see him only as victory, only as power, only as able to take the, the book and loose the seals and open it. I can only see him as the mighty God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, the one who can do anything. One God, one throne, one authority, one power. There is one Lamb that gave his life. The Lord God Almighty, great is the mystery of godliness, manifest in the flesh, came down in the flesh to redeem. And it looked like he just lost it all at Calvary. Even the disciples were so disappointed. We're wondering what was going to happen because it looked to them like their promise had just died. They were all empty. They were all wondering what had happened. They were not recognizing Jesus for who he was. They were recognizing his humanity. They weren't recognizing his deity. You can't kill him. You can't hold him down. You can't hold him back. You can't keep victory out of his hand. You can't keep it from him because he's the mighty God. He's going to stand there and he's going to take authority. He's going to speak authority and no man will open his mouth to speak. No one will gainsay and challenge his authority. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. It's just like the authority of God when he sends the angel. And I love that he does that. He sends an angel to go get Satan. One angel, and he goes there and he puts a chain on him and casts him into the bottomless pit. What happened to all your authority and your power, devil? What happened to all your meanness, devil? What about all your threats, devil? You know, and the God Almighty just sends an angel and says, yeah, go get him and chain him up and throw him in. We'll take care of this. His word is mighty and it is powerful. And when his name and his authority and his word is in even an angel, 
The devil can't gainsay it. He can't say, no, it's not going to happen or I resist you. He just takes the chain and he gets thrown in. He's the mighty God. Recognizing who Jesus is. In the midst of trouble in life, you can forget that he's the mighty God. You can forget how powerful he is. You can look at it and you can start to fear things you shouldn't be afraid of. You can start fearing a devil and it's like you think somehow he's going to be able to hurt you. Like, you know, he can't do anything beyond what God tells him he can do. He can appear in heaven and God can say, have you considered my servant Job? Now do exactly like I say. He can't do anything but what God gives him authority to do. Why does God do that? Why did God hide himself from Job? It wasn't like God had gone away. The Bible says of heaven of heavens cannot contain you. He inhabits eternity. There's nothing you can do that you can get around where he isn't at. He's God. He's mighty. He's able. He can do anything. He can be anywhere. He can do it. But Job didn't see him. Job didn't know he was there. Abraham, what's going on in your life? There's a promise given to you, and it's, it's been a long time. When God called you out, where's the promise? You say, he's going to give me this land. Well, you know, it doesn't look that great. It's not that big. Where's this promise you're talking about? And you shall, and your seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Well, I don't see that. How is it that God would come down and talk with him and walk with him and two angels with him and come down and talk to Abraham? Where was God the rest of the time? Where was God? Was he up in heaven? Was he fishing? As Elijah used to make fun of the, uh, made fun of the prophets of Baal. Is he out there just on a camping trip? Is he just having a good time? Maybe he's asleep. Where was God? God was there before he ever came down and walked with Abraham. God was there with Job before Job ever recognized that God was there. Before he ever knew that God was there, God was already on the scene. Not only was God on the scene, God had been on the scene. God was there before it happened. He was there when it's all done. The devil just gets fooled by God all the time, right? Yep, he always gets fooled because God always sets him up. And he always takes the bait. And he can't help himself. He crucified the Lord. You know, the Lord had to hide himself. Do you realize he had to keep himself under, under wraps? You can't really know who I am. You already tried to take me and make me king. You already tried to do that, and you can't do that because this is not my kingdom. This is not what I'm thinking. You don't see my plan. And when you don't see the plan of God, you think of it in your own way. God gives you a prophecy, a promise, and you have a way when you expect and how you expect it to come to pass and when it's going to come to pass. And if it doesn't, then it must not be so. God has never changed his plan. He said, I am God, I change not. What I speak it is known to God are his works before the foundation of the world. There's nothing takes God by surprise, not your failure, not your mistakes, not your valley, not your dark place, not, your, not the place you go to when someone that's close to you dies. God is everywhere. God is there. God has a plan. God knows it all. He knows how he's going to fulfill things. You have to trust God to know how to do it. Leave that as his prerogative. He's God. He can do it. He's the mighty king. He can do it. He's, he's the one who has everything in control. I mean totally in control. They had that new song down. They were doing the choir practice. They had it all ready to go. 
And when the time came and it was ready to go, then okay, now this is the real deal. It's not practice anymore. We got this song down. We've been waiting on this a long, long time. And they began to sing a song. God has a plan that will absolutely be fulfilled. It's going to happen. Yeah, there are, there are valleys you go through and you wonder if God is there. There are places you go through and you're wondering where God is. And we, we use the term that the heavens are like brass. Or your prayer, you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. And You know, I'm a big baby, so if that happens to me, many times I just cry. And then God has mercy on me. And, and he comes because I don't know if I, maybe I'm just too weak to handle that. And God knows it, you know. So he just, he has mercy on me. And I guarantee you, he does have mercy on me. He is good to me. But there are times in your life when you don't know where he's at. You don't know where he's at in your situation. I can pray and feel the presence of God. That doesn't mean I have the answer. That doesn't mean that I know where I'm going or what's going to happen next. And I don't know if I'm, you know, always doing the right thing. Am I really in the right place doing the right thing? Why does God hide himself? Why does God make himself where I can't see him? Why did Job say, oh, if I just knew where I could find him? If I could just come and talk to him, we'd get this straightened out. Why is it that God shrouds himself? Why does he keep himself hidden? You know, he did it even from the devil, or the devil would not have crucified him. I mean, the Lord, for all the sweating, as it were, great drops of blood in his humanity, in the deity, we are like three days away, bro. We are three days away from taking the keys of death, hell, and the grave and me marching out of there, and the tomb being rolled away. We're three days away from my church, which, devil, you have no concept. The prophets have prophesied and desired and wish they could look into what it was, but didn't really know how awesome the Holy Ghost is. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is awesome to have God come. It's awesome to have God in there. And, and you know, God, you just did a miracle in me. You just filled me with the Holy Ghost. That's awesome. The devil has no concept that there'd be a thousands and thousands and millions of little Jesuses running all over the place, filled with the Holy Ghost, and little old decrepit Jesuses that are like 90 years old and say, oh, I believe God, and they pray for you, and God heals you, and they pray for their nephew, and they get the Holy Ghost, and you know, what can you do to stop that devil? Oh, that was the worst thing he's ever done. That is the biggest mistake he's ever done. There, God always has a plan. There is a real reason why God hides himself. There is a real reason why God doesn't show himself. Why would he appear to the, on the road to Emmaus with those two, two disciples there, those two servants of the Lord, and they're walking along and talking to him? Why did he hide himself that whole time and talk to him about Scripture and tell him why it had to be the way it was and feed all that into him? Well, if he had gone and immediately they had recognized him, first of all, would he have just disappeared out of their midst? Where's the scripture? I mean, he just went all over the place. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the way? What an experience. Can you imagine how that must have felt to know that a risen Savior just walked with us down the path for quite some while and told us all kinds of scriptures and kept drilling into us why that... Christ had to die. And they're walking with it. And mind you, this is pre-Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost hadn't been poured out yet. But here they are walking along with him. And he's talking to them about Scripture. 
and they're feeling the burning inside. Now, they didn't get the Holy Ghost right then, but they had a burning inside. Can you imagine on the day of Pentecost when they actually got the Holy Ghost? Oh, when the power of God filled them, it was like, whoa, whoa, burning on the inside, multiplied. Woo, how many times? I don't know. But Jesus on the inside, woo, working on my life. I mean, they were speaking in tongues, and they were tongues of fire set upon each of them. The power of the Holy Ghost was poured out, and they were enjoying the power of God on the inside. And I guarantee you, when that burning on the inside of them, when the Lord is talking Scripture to them, he was still hidden. He was still hidden all the way to the point when he breaks the bread and then he was known to them. And finally they realized why did not our hearts burn within us? There are times in your darkness, times in your life you cannot find him when you turn to the right hand or to the left. You go forward and you go back and you can't find him. And you're trying to find the answer. You may feel the presence of God. You may feel the glory of God. You may be able to pray through speaking in tongues. The Spirit of God gives the utterance and still not have the answer and still not know where you're going. That can leave you in a place where you feel like, can I trust him? Can I really rely on him? Because here I am floundering. When they saw Jesus walking on the water, they supposed it was a spirit. And until he said something, they didn't really recognize him. He was walking across the water, but they really didn't know it was him until he said something. They thought they were seeing a spirit. Something, they said, oh, no, 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 be of good cheer, I'm here. Did the storm stop? Even when they recognized him, did the storm stop? It kept going. Peter's just like, well, you know, maybe it's you. If it is, uh, why don't you ask me to come to you on the water? The Lord said, come. He got out of the boat and he started walking. It's like, it's the Lord. <laughs> this is definitely God. Did the storm stop? No. Did it stop raging? Did they have the answer yet? No. The boat was still going like that. It was still not getting anywhere. It was still stuck. It was still all bad. He starts to sink, and he cries out, Lord, save me. The Lord says, well, where's your faith, boy? Oh, ye of little faith. He reached down and grabbed him and pulled him out. There are times when your faith isn't even enough, but God's enough. Hallelujah, Jesus. There are times when you don't know how to get out of the storm and the storm's still going and you don't know how to get up and walk on the water again. You don't know how to do it, but God is there to make up the difference, to bridge the gap, to step in there. He is the way between this and that. He's the way between Joel's prophecy and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He is the way. He can do it. He can bridge the gap. He'll lift you when you can't lift yourself. He'll be victory for you when you can't get victory for yourself. He'll be anointing for you when you can't get anointing for yourself. He'll be life for you when all you can see is death around you and everything being destroyed and no hope. Here's God right here with me, but where's the victory? I recognize God and now he's here, but where's the victory? But once he began to sink and he said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. There was panic. He's right out in the midst of it. Things are the worst they can be now because he stepped out in faith to go to God, but his faith faltered. And now he's in the worst place because he took the step. And where's, where's God now? I feel like I'm falling. Lord, save me. And God did. The Lord reached out and pulled him up. When they got into the ship, they were at the shore. 
That's what I call some quick progress. Behold, the winds and the waves, they settled down because he just said, peace be still, when they woke him up in the boat one time. He had authority over the wind. He had authority over the waves. But he walked to him on the water, and the storm kept it going. God could have immediately, like he did the other time, he could have just said, peace be still, and everybody would have been amazed, and they'd all still been in the boat. But when Peter stepped out in faith and he stepped out on what the promise of God was, he stepped on what he knew God had said, come to me, and he started walking on the water and things started out so good, and then he started to fail. Oh, that's when Jesus will step in. If you will cry out to him, if you'll reach out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, you can save me. And the Lord will reach down and bridge the gap. I used to have this thing, and I've told you before about this story I read one time and when I was a kid about the red-faced monkey. And as this guy had gone to the, to the jungles, and he had gone to where some people had found a lot of gold. And so he, uh, he wanted some of the riches and trinkets and things that they had. So um, actually, I think they had a lot of diamonds or something like that. And he wanted to get it. So he told the chief there, he said, I will tell you how to turn coal into gold. And if you will just, if you'll do what I tell you to do. And then he said, okay, that sounds good. He said, okay. So he got all the little riches from all these people, packaged it all up, and said, okay, this is how you do it. And he took a piece of gold and he hid it in some coal. He stuffed it in there and got it all surrounded and put it in the fire and said, okay, now, when you do this, there's only one thing that could hinder you from getting the gold out of this and making this turn to gold. And that's if you happen to think of the red-faced monkey. But if you just won't think of the red-faced monkey, it'll turn this gold or this coal into gold. That guy said, all right, that's good, yeah. I, I want to do that. So he sits down there, and he puts the coal in there, and um, of course it just burns out. It's just a piece of coal. He said, why didn't it work? He said, well, did you think of the red-faced monkey? Well, yeah, I couldn't help think about the red-faced monkey since you said that. So we keep practicing it. When things get good, you'll be good. And then he leaves with all those riches, and he stole from them. And I used to think that when I was younger, it's like, yeah, but if the Bible says if you doubt in your heart, and it's just like the red-faced monkey to me. If you doubt in your heart, well, of course, every time you think of faith, but if I doubt in my heart, and that elusive little thing just keeps out of reach just a little bit, right beyond, because you got a red-faced monkey in your own life, because you're thinking, I just wanted to let you know that God's bigger than a red-faced monkey. God's bigger than your doubt. God is able to bridge the gap when your faith isn't able to. But he's not going to reach out and do that when your faith isn't sufficient if you're not crying out to him. If you don't cry out to him and there's not something in you that says, oh, no, I need you, God. If there's not a desperation inside that says, no matter what, i got to get a hold of God. I need him for this situation. I've got a situation only God can take care of it. And if your faith isn't sufficient, you got to cry out to him. God, help me. God, bridge the gap. Make up what I can't do. You're, you're everywhere. You're in all things. You're always there, and I don't know you're there. God is right beside you. You have never gone through a trial in your life. You have never gone through a dark place in your life that Jesus is not right beside you. He's just hiding himself from you. He's waiting till you're hungry enough, till you're desperate enough, till the desire gets big enough that you don't care what might face you. You're going to reach out for him. 
You can't let doubt and what the devil may do if I do this. I'll put a mark on my back, and we've done this. And You step into ministry and you do that. You put a mark and a target right there that says, hey, shoot me. We used to tease about that little cartoon that shows the cowboy riding down and some other cowboy come along in the back and slapped him on the back. He didn't know. He'd pasted a piece of paper and said, trample me. When you're in ministry, there is a target put on your back. Should that scare you? Should that make you draw back? If there's a hunger and there's a desire in your heart and there's a thirst for God, it's not going to hold you back. You can slap those signs all over me. My God will deliver me. My God will keep me. My God will take me through. We do not need to be afraid of the devil and his tricks and his lies. And because we become a target, you're already a target. You just don't know it. And the reason you don't know is because you haven't stepped out and he's content to keep you in that place. He's content to, oh, I'm fine with that because you're not really doing anything. And if you're kind of afraid of me, that's awesome. But God doesn't want you to fear the enemy. He doesn't want you to be afraid. And he is going to hide himself from you, I promise you. He is going to make himself to where you can't see him until it's his time. God knows how to do that. And God always, always, 100% of the time does it right. He's always right. He knows what he's doing. He sees where you're at. He knows the path you're taking. You're not just on a path. God knows the path you are on. He knows the day that you are in. He knows the enemy that's after you better than you do. He knows the trial, the way it's going, and he knows the boundaries he's set. And he knows exactly how to take you through it. And even when you can't see him, you can trust him. Even if you can't feel him, you can trust him. And when your faith fails you, you can cry out to him. And you can holler out his name. And you, Lord, save me. God will hear that. God will not leave you nor forsake you. Why? It's his word. It's his promise. It's his way. It's who he is. He was himself in a place where he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So that you would never have to say that. You would never have to be in that place because he paid the price. He paid for it with his blood. He paid for his life. He saw you where you were. He saw you in your mistake. He saw you in your sin. He saw you in your brokenness. He saw you in all the things you did wrong. He never left your side. He's there as long and when you reach the point of when you will reach out for him. When you will pour it all out, God, I don't hold anything back. God doesn't like holdbacks. If you put your hand to the plow and you're looking back, you're not worthy of me, he said. He doesn't like holdbacks. When you're keeping apart for yourself, I want to keep that one thing or that two things or those three things right there. I don't. God doesn't do business that way. When we surrender everything to God, in the day we seek him, the Bible says his address exactly, in the day you seek me with all of your heart, you're going to find me because that's where I live. God never turns down somebody that seeks him with the whole heart. He'll never let you down when you give everything to God. He'll never leave you in the lurch if you'll surrender everything to him. It's everything. God was an all or a nothing. You would say, well, God will continue to work with you in compassion and long-suffering. He has with me. And when I didn't surrender everything, and sometimes when I thought I did and found out later I didn't, God knows what he's doing. And if you stop seeking him and stop calling after him, then the devil's going to win that. If you reach out and call to God, the devil will lose every 
time. 100% of the time. It may not be fulfilled your way, your thinking, your thoughts, and the way you thought it would be, but God will be there. And when it's time, you'll recognize him. It's hard to recognize him when things are so close. They have this thing now with virtual reality, and it's, um, I've never put one of those things on, but I have seen films of people that put it on and run into things, and they're funny films, they're uh, funny things, and people put them on, and they don't know what's going on. They let out this horrible scream, and you're like, what's wrong with you? Well, they got this virtual reality. This thing is right there in their face, and that's all they can see. That is their world at that time. It's a virtual reality. It isn't real. It's a virtual reality. And we can let the things of this life, if and that's the devil's plan, to let the things of this life blind you in such a way that your reality is that. If you would take off those stinking things, and you would look at the thing the way God wants you to look at it, you would see victory. You would see anointing. You would see that you're going to come through it, and the devil can't keep you down. And that's what we need to do is take that off and put on the eyes of faith. We need to see with our, see a right. I want to see him the way he is. We sing songs about that, but I want to see him as he is. Well, how is he? He's victorious. He's a king. He's mighty. He's not afraid. He doesn't have any doubts whether or not he can keep you and take you through. That's not in his mind. And that's only what the devil puts in front of you. Me and Lisa had heard just, I just heard an excerpt of, excerpt of it, but Brother Barnes was praying for somebody. And they had a devil, and he was trying to cast that devil out. And he said, lady, if you want this devil out of you, then you say, repeat after me, in Jesus' name, leave. Something along those lines. And another voice spoke out of that lady. And said, you should love me. You should love the devil. You should love the devil and God. God should forgive the devil. Well, the bars didn't hesitate. We saw how you did that when you crucified the Lord. <laughs> when you had him spit on and by envy betrayed. And how you tried to destroy all the people and haven't stopped since Adam and Eve. Yeah, you're going to try and sell us on a story that really you're just a good dude that wants to repent and get things right with God. You liar. <laughs> you lying devil. You're just a liar. You're out to destroy. The Bible says that the devil has come to, to destroy. He wants to kill. He wants to take your life away. So, of course, he wants you to keep that virtuality right there. He wants you to see exactly what he wants you to see. If you get your eyes open and you recognize Jesus is in the mix, you're not going to be afraid. There's not going to be screams coming out of you, except for maybe joy and thanksgiving and rejoicing to the mighty God. But there isn't going to be anything that says, I'm afraid, I'm going to go hide myself among the trees when the Lord comes around. No, 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 no. That's a lie of the devil. God's got some clothing for you. He said, I counsel of you, counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire and clothes that you're of righteousness that you be not naked. The Lord wants to give you riches. He wants to give you clothes. And I'm not talking about the physical. I'm talking about in the spiritual. So you're not ashamed. So you're not afraid to come to an altar. So you're not afraid to gather around the front and worship the Lord. 
because it never, ever was based on your righteousness. It's always been based on his righteousness. And if I repent and I go to God, I can declare his righteousness, and I can lift up holy hands, and we can do it boldly, and we don't have to have the virtual reality lies of the enemy saying, but you failed, but you fell short. You're not allowed to go up there and worship with the rest of them. You're not allowed to praise God. You're not allowed to act like you're a Christian. No, you hypocrite. That's virtual reality lying. When your heart is saying you don't want to do that, that means your heart really wants to serve God. So get the lies off. That means really there's a hunger and a thirst in you. You're not trying to be a hypocrite. You're trying to stay back because the devil's telling you you would be if you came up. Well, see, that's a lie of the devil. That means the opposite. That means, oh, that means I can come up here. I can worship. I can repent. I can call out to God. I can believe him for the miraculous. Well, you're not worthy of it. Neither is anybody else. Only one could take that book and loose the seals thereof. Only one could stand there and say, I am worthy, and I have no problem walking up and taking the book out of the hand of him that sat on the throne. I'm the mighty God. I can do anything. In flesh, I redeemed humanity and mankind to me. One can do that. Nobody else. I can't come up here and pretend that I'm worthy or even worthy of ministry or worthy to, to pray for somebody or, or, or worthy to counsel somebody or worthy to teach a Bible study or worthy to witness because I'm no good. Well, neither is anybody else. There is one good, Jesus said, and that is God. There is one worthy, and that is God. There is one who's worthy of praise and adoration and casting the crowns before his feet and say, hey, this all belongs to you. Well, he won it, but he gives it too. We are heirs with him. God intends that we be heirs. Would you all stand? If the musicians want to come, I should have asked. But if you will take off those virtual reality and you'll put on God's reality, the real deal, God is faithful. That's, that's reality. God won't let you down. That is the real reality. God won't let you down. God will never leave you in the lurch. He'll never leave you by yourself. No matter how much you feel like you're by yourself spiritually, he will never leave you by yourself. He will hide himself until there's a hunger and a thirst and a longing that exceeds everything else in your life. And you have to have God. God, I've got to have this answer. I've got to have you. I need you so much. I've got a situation I've tried. I don't, I don't measure up. I can't meet the mark. I can't make it. I can't win this victory. But Jesus did. Jesus said, be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. You know, we're going to overcome in Revelation. If you overcome, how does that happen? We got the Holy Ghost. We're the church. We're the church of the living God. Yeah, there's times to repent, but we got overcoming power in us now. God's got the victory, and he's more than willing to share it in his time. In his time. When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. It's got to be God's time because God's plan is just right. It's exactly right. When God gave you a prophecy or called you to a ministry or called you to be at his feet and surrender all, the gifts and calling of God without repentance, God intends that it be fulfilled in you. God is able. 
to fulfill it in you. He's able to keep that which is what? Committed to him against that day. God is so faithful. You can put your money in a bank, it can fail. But you put your heart in God and he'll never fail. You put your trust in God and he'll always be there. If there's a desire in your heart and a hunger in your heart and you want that to win, don't let your flesh win. Don't let it tell you virtual reality stories. I invite you to come up here around the altar and give God your everything. No holdbacks. And when you need God, as Pastor said, 